0: Hello, and welcome to the Tiny Plastic People podcast, the podcast about tiny plastic people. We paint them, we play with them, and as always, we're here to tell you why we think that's great. Uh, my name is Rich, and joining me today, we've got James. Hello. Uh, we've got Alistair. Hello. And we've got Drew. Hello. I think this might be the first episode where listeners have already met all
1: of us. Please correct me if this is wrong. (laughs) No introductions required unless you get into the back catalogue.
2: It means that the listeners have actually listened to our previous episodes, which we hope you do. We think that they're very nice episodes.
1: Or they're starting in media res. (laughs) In which case,
2: hello, welcome to the podcast.
1: Go back and listen.
2: They're
0: good. Okay, so we can jump straight in and talk about... Some of our own hobby, as we all want to do. Uh, so, picking at random, Alistair, what have you been hobbying since we last spoke?
2: Um, I've been hobbying all sorts of things, mostly because I couldn't decide what to do. So, first of all, I painted. Well, sort of in the past month, I painted all, as I said, all sorts of things, starting with Sigvold. Um, I don't play Ooh. um, Slanesh, but Sigvold was cool. So I bought one, and then I finally decided to paint him. And then I'd also just been watching Castlevania, so he ended up with a color scheme very closely based on... Well, actually, halfway between Belmont and Alucard, really. It's all black and red. Um, But he looks pretty good. He's quite vampiric. Uh,
0: Yeah, that that color scheme works really, really Well well on him. You've really, I think, hit what you're going for with that model.
2: Thanks. Yeah. And then after that, I painted a Spheranx for Age of Sigma, and then some Quistorius Knights for Titanicus. And then I went back to Age of Sigma and painted a Hearthstone for my goats. And then I painted some Underworlds things. So it was all sorts of different things throughout the month, because I couldn't choose.
1: Proper pre-big game launch, just like, oh, what to do? What to do sort of behavior, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, pretty much. We'll talk more about that later. I'm sort of very undecided about where to go. But Age of Sigmar has made me excited, I just don't know what about. <laughs> I'm so excited,
0: but I don't know what to do, sort of thing. <laughs> uh, Hopefully, yes. piece of chaos, if you've painted a Hearthstone. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> it's a cool piece of scenery, even if you don't use it for that, though, I guess. Yeah, it is cool. Ooh, where shall we go next? Drew, what have you been up?
3: I've done... I was going to say not very much, but I think I've got quite a long list, actually. I just haven't finished any of it. I I had a a plan um, sort of early in the year, which was to focus on two projects, which was Orcs and Dark Angels for 30k. And I've half managed to do that and painted up some Orcs, But and I've also just taken a hard left turn into uh, revitalising my Cities of Battle army. So I've been... Doing mean, mostly sisters of battle recently and uh, some inquisitor friends to go with them um and that is mostly old models which have either not been painted or have been chipped quite a lot and then uh yeah a few of the new ones where uh, where the new models are considerably better than the old ones which you know, thankfully isn't actually that many
0: <laughs> i remember your your lamentation when that new Sisters of Battle range came out and you were sat looking at all of your your metal existing ones.
3: Yeah. What what I haven't done is I haven't rebased anything yet, which is the the big most annoying change. Oh yeah. That's always that's always a fun one. Yeah. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with it, but I I've only been playing sort of narrative stuff recently, so uh I can get away with having wrong base size my crime crime base sizes and
1: uh <laughs> just power gaming through your narrative events
3: yeah, yeah. outrageous I mean it does it does help not being able to go to places um and, and, <laughs> yeah if I was having to go to Warhammer world or something then I don't change the bases they'd be all thrown into the bin by the the staff there so
0: I believe that's what happens yeah 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 I think they um they kick them down those stairs right
3: that's it. I mean, you have rules for a reason, don't you? And if you don't enforce those 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 rules, it's it's just unreasonable.
1: Yeah,
0: that's one thing I think. When I go to Warhammer World, it's authoritarian rules enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: um, and the only other thing I've been painting very slowly is a, a dragon or Age of Sigma because I love vampires, and I've decided to paint an Age of Sigma army, which is another thing I said I wouldn't do. I'd sort of mentally conditioned myself not to look at Age of Sigmar stuff. And then the Vampire Battletome came out and immediately I bought it and bought a load of vampires to go with it, which apparently that's how to make me do things. Um, take note, Games Workshop, is just bring out a battle Tome, yeah. and I'll buy it and then I'll immediately do it as a project. So
0: <laughs> I think vampires has caught a lot of people like that. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who have been maybe only tangentially interested in AOS going like, oh, oh vampires. Yeah,
3: that, that definitely is it. I mean, it, it, it wasn't oh, it's vampires for Age of Sigma, it was just ah, oh, it's vampires, and I'm just a big sad yeah. ghost boy, so... Uh...
0: Catching all those middle hammer vampire counts fans. <laughs> <laughs> I think also, Drew, you're, you're really underselling yourself when you say you've painted some orcs, because you have painted some really nicely converted and even sort of hand-sculpted orcs and vehicles to go with them. So, This is true. Um, there's pictures, I think, in our latest Hobby Roundup article.
3: Yes. Actually, that's quite similar to the Sisters of Battle because I, one of my main sort of conversions I've been doing at the moment is converting uh, Squigs into boys because I thought I don't like the old boys kit. <laughs> and there's no way Games Workshop are going to release a new boys kit anytime soon. So oh, yeah. I'll build my own.
0: Mm. And who, who could possibly imagine it?
3: Yeah. What can you start
1: building next? Can you cut, get a squat army or something together?
3: Maybe. As I say, what range refresh do people yeah. want? Because I'll, I'll take commission yeah. too. Could start you doing hand it?
0: convert a load of female Imperial Guard, please?
3: Yeah. I could do. I mean, they've already done that, so that seems. They've done heads. They've done yeah. heads. Yeah.
0: Okay. Can you hand convert a load of Valhalans, please? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh. How about you, James? What have you been hobbying? I, too, have had a month of, or more than a month since I was last on, but um, just miscellaneous things that are just lying about the desk in a half-completed state. I think I've completed one model, and it was a converted Sister of Silence Oblivion Knight, or whatever their Knight Centura, whichever one it is for heresy, which is like the one of their lieutenant units. Um, from the lady from Cursed City um, holding the sword. I thought, that lady's going to be a Sister of Silence. And thus, that occurred. It's a very nice conversion. Beyond that, uh, I decided to experiment a little bit. I purchased... I went to good old Hobbycraft in, in town and picked up a student pack of oils and... First the wrong white spirit, then the right white spirit, and then sort of started playing around a bit with uh, some oil paints on models, because, you know, when you don't know what to do, the best thing to do is mill around spending money on paint.
2: Works for me, <laughs> yeah. it's the only way yeah. to do hobby.
1: I just got a big box of paint through the post for similar reasons, so. My, my my mistake is that i'm working on like some gloom spike gets and i want to get on with those and just get a army of gits together but i've already started painting them which means i have to finish painting them in the same way because otherwise i you can't have a project split in two no 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 that's a bad thing to do so you've got to keep painting them in the same way in the same way as that i approached a custodies project by saying those are going to be solar watch they're going to have white armor and then you're going to sit there and forget how to paint white armor every single custodian you pick up but you (laughs) still have to paint them there's no shortcuts no doing it the no doing it the easy way no 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 switching to contrast halfway through no switching to oils no 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 just do it the way and it's painful (laughs) so i need a new project for these oil paints now so i'll think of something um, but they're fun. I was experimenting with washes, mixing in white spirit and uh, rubbing it off. I found some, uh, like, old Death Guard models I had lying around an old Inquisitor, like, metal Inquisitor. Not Inquisitor 58 mil, but, like, um, the old priests and things, which I just had in a drawer. And I was just like, I'll just spray that and just throw some colours on it and see what happens. Turns out, real fun. Nice. So... Yeah, and uh, in Cursed City update, um, last time I was on, I was talking about making tiles of all of the tiles. Uh, I've made 15 so far out of 40, so not painted. Slowly, slowly. I had a complete just break on them, but for other reasons, which I'm sure we'll talk about later.
3: I'm holding out on you finishing that project so I can make a uh, Bloodborne joke about it. And uh, I'm hoping that you get it done before I forget the joke, because it'll definitely be worth it, anything that I've held on to for that long.
1: Actually, you know what my mistake was, was that I started playing Bloodborne as, air quotes, inspiration. But it turns out Bloodborne's a really good game, so I've actually just played a lot of Bloodborne, (laughs) and I've gotten way further than I ever did before, because it's a hard game. Uh, And now I'm towards the end of Bloodborne, (laughs) and keep finding new places to get inspiration, air quotes. From So, so just take screenshots
0: of Your, your hobby
3: progress but... is that you've played
2: Bloodborne.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's totally reasonable.
2: Yeah, sounds good.
0: Anyway, uh, Rich, what have you been up to? So I think last time I was on, I talked about trying to frantically paint some Lumina Lords for an event in August. That event has now been pushed back to December just to give a bit of breathing room from covid restrictions so i'm not in such a rush but before that had happened i managed to pay a unit of 10 vanari wardens which i'm pretty happy with and also teclis the big elf himself teclis was superb oh, superb yeah I'm, I'm really happy with him it only took me like three days in the end three or four days which i was quite impressed with but i I did have some time off work, so it was like three or four solid days, not just evenings. Um, yeah, that's the first real, it feels like the first complex centerpiece I've done. It's certainly the first AOS centerpiece I've done. I've done the Void Dragon and the Monolith, the Necrons, but my Necron scheme's pretty simple and there's a lot of silver spray involved, so perhaps not quite as in-depth. But yeah. That was fun. So I now have like a thousand points of Lumineth, despite only having 13 models, I think, painted. <laughs> <laughs> um And I've got the rest of what I want, I think, primed up. Maybe most of it, anyway. So that's still progressing slowly. Then I just sort of, I was a bit listless for a while, um, and I decided to dip back into my Heresy Iron Warriors. That's I finished off another Dreadnought, and five more catapractic Terminators. Um, I have a bunch of that stuff that tends to just sit around either primed or with like the base silver metals done, and then I can just pick something out of the box and finish it in an evening or two. It's quite rewarding to jump into. Um, And then I was intrigued by Tome Keeper's transfers arriving with White Dwarf, so I decided to go on to the internet and read their lore and that was a mistake maybe because it's really cool, I like it a lot um, and I also recently played against a friend's Deathwing army which we might talk about in a minute anyway um, so I was really kind of excited about that bone colour scheme I decided to paint a Tomekeeper's lieutenant,
1: lieutenant. Um, yeah, pretty happy with how he came out as well Is this the chapter which they made in White Dwarf and they sort of have been rolling out the lore very slowly?
0: Yeah. I don't know if it was completely authored by them or is, you know, your classic. It was mentioned somewhere in second or third edition in one line and never again. And then has been a bit sort of revitalized, like Joseph mentioned last week you see stuff all the time in a community of people picking up on
1: things
3: mm.
1: I said last week last episodes <laughs> um, last last year ev- yeah. every, every time
0: what is it time is relative um yeah so but effectively i think the majority of the lore is created by and for white dwarf and I particularly like the colour scheme for the third company. And the third company is also what they've picked out as their kind of centrepiece. One a bit like the Ultramarine second company. So that's the one that they've identified characters and lore for the most. So they've actually got laid out the names of all of the squad sergeants and what their squad is and the names of the captain and apothecary for the chapter uh, the company sorry and how many tanks and stuff they have which is maybe a bit prescriptive but actually i really like from a um i like sometimes having a bit more of a restricted narrative um i don't think i would ever try and replicate that whole company <laughs> or anything but
3: i had thought that's where you were going with this like, oh, I read a white no. dwarf. Now I'm painting an entire company of space pirates.
0: I don't think so. But it does mean that, um, you know, there's maybe some conversion possibilities in there. So like the, the company captain, I can't remember his name, but they've given him a name and they've actually created a data sheet for him and um, they've done quite a nice conversion of one of the other captain models. And so... It feels like you could you could do that too and use the name and the model wouldn't have necessarily have to look the same nor would you necessarily have to use that data sheet. But there's like some inspiration there, right?
1: Hmm, that's and good. Yeah. So it's it's quite nice that they're um they they can be quite prescriptive with some of the Space Marines stuff I find and it used to be a bit of a I think before Eighth Edition and before Primaris it was getting a bit. Out of hand, maybe, where <laughs> like if I read Codex Angels of Death, well, actually, that second edition, that's a long time ago, but it's still details like oh, there are seven squads of devastators in this one, and you this is yeah. the reserve one, and they've got a few tactical squads. So then, if you like say, well, minus seventh company, and someone just str- walks up to you rubbing their chin <laughs> and say, well, actually, if there's seventh company, they should not have hell blaster squads, my friend, and yeah. you say. No, no, it's my seventh company, mate. I do think the landscape for that since 8th edition is a lot easier. Yeah, and it's also <laughs> when, when you're playing hypotheticals and you get yourself wound up into the fact that someone might get wound up by the, the fact that you're doing this when actually no one cares. I'd love,
0: love to get annoyed at imaginary people.
1: <laughs> I know. It saves getting annoyed at real people.
0: Mm. Cool. So yeah, that's that's Hobby for this edition. Um, with the lifting of some sort of socialising restrictions recently though, it seems like a good time to introduce a bit more of a, a regular question maybe about has anyone played any games? Maybe even in-person games?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's a tempting fate actually because I have played some games but reading the news this morning it seemed to be that up where I am is is about to become another massive covid hotspot so uh you know I've had my week of fun and now I have to go no more games yeah true. no more games now I enjoy playing games it's no more <laughs> but yeah I had my first couple of games of ninth edition um I played a little bit I played one game with my custodas which apparently are the only army I own the rules and the um models for so <laughs> them.
0: It always helps to have both of those <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I've got
3: lots of marines <laughs> but no marine codex and I wasn't going to buy you know two books to use them um, so yeah I ran my custodians and then with the Sisters of Battle codex coming out, I uh, tried some Sororitas in Crusade and it was very fun and I enjoy it and Ninth edition, it, it's okay there's my hot take It's
0: uh... there you go
1: you heard it here first. Yeah.
0: How did you find Crusade in particular? I'm really, really excited to play some Crusade when it's well feasible.
3: Well, to, to lead into something I'm going to talk about later, I think Crusade might be the only way that I want to play 40 k from now on. Uh, yeah, Ninth Edition might be, you know, it, it's okay, but uh, Crusade played real good. Uh, it's, right. it's, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely what I want. From a game i don't think it's perfect but i yeah i i enjoyed it the little uh there's sort a of little start i've had with it um it's it's, awesome. it's interesting but yeah I'll, I'll save my uh
2: my hottest takes for, for later on in the pod
0: uh alistair i believe you've been playing some underworlds right
2: yeah for for the first time in like two years i managed to get some underworlds in person <laughs> um I know there's been a lot of um, Underworlds played sort of online over <coughs> Zoom or Discord or whatever, but um, I haven't really got into that. Um, so two weeks ago I went and played some Underworlds with um, Kagra's Ravagers, the Slaves to Darkness team, and they're super cool. Um, I, the whole new... I haven't played like, any of the new cards, so it was like, learning everything, like the, so the Beastgrave and Diachasm cards which come out. And it's a lot of different things, like the new Primacy mechanics, really cool, um, where basically you get um, like a trophy for either killing your opponent's leader or one-shotting uh, any model from full health, or um, I think holding like four objectives at the same time. It's basically like, you know, you are the alpha predator of the Diachasm if you do this, and then that. Trophy can give you bonuses if you've got upgrades and stuff that relate to it, or it just gives you um, an extra glory at the end of the round. So that's fun to like fight over. Um, But then, uh, yeah, speaking of like uh, the fun coming to an end, like South Africa went back into like a hard lockdown. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, on the beginning of the week. So no more games for me in person. So I'm probably. Now that my taste has been wetted, I'm probably going to look into some, playing something online. Mm. Sound the sad COVID trombone. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate.
3: Does yeah, yeah. anyone else managed to get some games in then, or Be- before the trombone sounds? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I am negative games. I have not had any had any um, experiences of any Warhammer. Getting thirsty for it. I want to roll some dice
0: soon. 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 Hopefully, uh, i've been on many road trips to play warhammer uh, which one can perhaps now question the responsibility of but <laughs> i and necessary trips yeah <laughs> certainly at the time i had no regrets so i travelled um down south in two different directions so first of all went down to play uh, some age of sigmar with tpp contributor tom um a 2,000 point game of second ed uh, possibly the last hurrah for second ed and that was really really fun, it was probably one of the hottest days of the year so far so I had to reapply back to 50 sunscreens several times we were playing outdoors in the sun and I started to worry a little bit for my uh, my Mongol that in its box under the table had to make sure it was in the shade so i didn't want its arm to go all floppy <laughs> um yeah that was that was really really good um it's always nice to play big game of aos nice to see people that haven't seen for a while and that was fun and actually all things being well uh this weekend tom's going to come here and we're going to have our first game of third ed age of Sigmar. so yeah, Garden Hammer. If you can make it happen, Garden Hammer is good. I also managed to do a similar thing. Go down to the southwest and have a game with Chimp. Also site contributor, Chimp. Uh we played 40k. Uh his was the the Deathwing army that I mentioned in passing earlier. Uh big army of Terminators versus my oh, yeah. Eldar Wraith list. Uh in both of these games, um I got pretty robustly stomped. <laughs> 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 I am I am not in the hobby for being good at games really. <laughs> so uh yeah, that was really fun as well. Outdoor Warhammer. Do it if you can. It's safe. I was very concerned in both instances that it would somehow be nightmarish and it just it was fine. So and you know, better than fine. Good. So yeah. Awesome. Gotta fingers crossed for the weather though, that's the thing. I feel like wind is the real um the real issue. Some of Tom's Pterodons.
3: <laughs> blew over a couple of times on their tall flying stands. That's, that's why you but, need yeah. an all metal sisters of battle army to uh Yeah, the <laughs> shifting those.
0: They're all they're all
1: short and
0: heavy. Yeah.
3: <laughs> totally unaffected by all environmental concerns.
1: <laughs> so you need that magnetic base and you can magnetize your table, stick them yeah. on. Maybe that's gonna be the way forward. Oh, that's what I discovered
3: <laughs> actually. I've I've got some aggregate that I used to build my tables and uh when I used it with my custodes, I discovered that my the aggregate is uh, slightly magnetic because my custodes have magnets on their bases, so they just got increasingly furry with with <laughs> aggregate as I played.
0: So, every episode of the TPP podcast, we like to bring some topics to the fire, try and structure our discussion a bit. Uh, so we've each got something that we'd like to talk about, and. In no particular order, let's
1: start with James. So, this month, I was talking a bit about Bloodborne earlier, and I've actually been playing another game called Necromunda Hired Gun. It is a first-person shooter on the... Well, I'm playing it because I'm one of the blessed individuals who owns a PlayStation 5. I've been playing it on a PlayStation 5. And I've got to say, it looks pretty smart. I'm not usually won over by games, particularly by graphics. Probably, by you'll probably figure that out from the rest of this conversation. (laughs) But when something does look pretty, it does tickle that little bit of just oh hello, and because it's Necromunda, it's also in that very good grim dark way, and it is serviceable as a game. (laughs) It does its job. I mean, that's.
3: Traditionally, that's what any Games Workshop game can be reported as, is that the highest bar it can reach is serviceable. Yeah. yeah. I think if you've
0: hit serviceable in one category and good in another, you're already batting above average, right? So.
1: It's ticking some boxes. We're, we're moving up the level. It's not... Terrible. I have played bad games in the past and I know what those Mm -hmm. play like. And also, I'm trying to make sure in my mind that I'm continuing to play it not because it's Necromunda, but because it's actually quite fun to do. And I think it's still just on that edge of fun. It's got systems in it that I do not even begin to want to engage with, such as any well this is me as a gamer again if it's got an upgrade tree or like you have to buy stuff with credits that you earn from doing something and you can upgrade your character in a certain way i don't want to do any of that that's rubbish that sounds really (laughs) boring to me when you are pitching your game as a i can run on walls and shoot people in the head with the plasma gun because it does that very well Everything else it does incredibly badly and I can't read the text on the screen and it's clunky and it's glitchy in places. Like an Ogryn will occasionally just fly through the air just as a basically a T-pose and then land next to you and then throw a grenade at you.
2: I mean, that's accurate to the tabletop, so... (laughs) Yeah, it it is.
1: the, The AI is pretty much like yeah that's it but it's pretty good uh did i just say it was pretty good yeah i'm warming to it the more i talk about it but it's not the best game in the world it's nice to run around in a fairly okay shooter in Warhammer 40k in necromunda it does feel like necromunda as well that's the thing is like the orlock gangs and the goliath gangs and also the way it sets up Um, I know that a lot of gaming podcasts and a few other like Warhammer podcasts have sort of talked about it, but they never really mentioned that it does kind of have gang war in it, which is nice. That's what you want from Necromunda is gangs having fights, but you're always like the outsider in those fights. So you come into an area and there's like two factions having a bit of a fight. That's pretty cool. That's kind of what you want to see. It's just that the AI can't handle having a bit for fight, and as soon as you walk in, everyone drops their guns uh, or drops whatever they were doing, and decides that you are the most dangerous thing in the world. So you are the thing that they must kill. To be fair, that does seem to be a a fair enough
0: assessment most of the time. I um I bought the game when it came out, and I really love its Its atmosphere and its uh like sense of place and the way it portrays the gangs and the characters but the gameplay
1: itself makes me feel
0: quite ill so I ended up (laughs) refunding it
1: (laughs) Actually Um, I did did notice that it was giving me motion sickness as well. mm. I think it's something to do with the, it's like got a fisheye lens on the whole thing Yeah, and that messes me up
0: It's just too too fast for my tastes That Um,
3: sounds worrying considering that you are to my mind quite a good video game player uh,
0: I, li- I like a sense of weight mm.
1: it
3: it's has like no weight like- it is definitely yeah.
1: like you scooting around as like you you are a drone basically <laughs> scooting around the whole place sticking to yeah. walls accidentally there's no weight behind any of the melee attack uh when you like do a kill with your knife or something it's like poking, <laughs> just pokes a warlock for a bit and then their head comes off. <laughs> <laughs> just like in
3: the tabletop game again as you sit, <laughs> sit rolling ones.
1: <laughs> but, so, that that was kind of my thoughts on it. Uh, I don't know if any, well, Rich, you've played it. Any, Alice or Drew, have you jumped in on this?
2: I haven't played it yet, but I'm quite tempted. It's on my wish list. I'm sort of like keeping an eye on it, I think. as I can deal with a bit of shonkiness
3: i bit fancy walking around Necromunda, I must say. A sort of sightseeing mode would be quite nice. If you could just play as a, I don't know, space marine who no one can hurt and is just there on vacation to admire Skull Factories, I'd play that version of it. I mean, I, I would definitely get it. i say buy. Buy it for free if it was ever on Epic Game Store for, for zero money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You'll, you'll take it, basically, yes. that's what you're I'll,
3: I'll, I'll take it. I will click on some buttons so I may play it in future.
1: Anyway, let's go to part two of my discussion. So Warhammer does have a bit of a interesting relationship with video games. And uh, I want to pitch to you my perfect Warhammer game right now, and which isn't Dawn of War 1 again, because Dawn of War is probably the best Warhammer game in my mind. Anyway, yes, so my pitch for a Warhammer game is my other favourite game series right now is um, a little game series called Yakuza. Are we familiar with this game series?
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have heard Go of on. it, yes.
1: So in Yakuza, you play as um, uh, a Yakuza, or an ex-Yakuza, called uh, Kiryu, and uh, you're basically let loose on a very small area of... In Japan, it's like a city, but it's not a city. It's just a block, basically. It's a big block of space, and it's incredibly dense. And you run around in this little block of essentially um, distilled Tokyo, and you punch people in the face, and you do good. And it's amazing. It is, the- And you do side quests for people. You bump into people in the streets, and they say, I'm in a punk band. Can you make my band not... <laughs> lame and
3: <laughs> you say yes yes i'll do like that. what organized crime it does it's a sounds like a fairly yeah. realistic simulation yeah
1: it is a perfect simulation of what organized crime is in japan and i will not be taking questions <laughs> on the actual yakuza and the things they have done so <laughs> it paints a picture that they're a lovely bunch and uh apart from all the apart from all the other bad stuff but anyway <laughs> Yakuza is basic... It got pitched in back in the PS, PS2 days, the PlayStation 2, as a a version of, like, oh, this is just, like, GTA, but it's in Japan. And it is not that. It is a life... It's an RPG, for one thing. It's a life sim, and it's a punchy, beat-em-up-like um, Streets of Rage. It's all of those things thrown together with a silly, silly story. And, frankly... Give me that, but I've also been reading all the Eisenhorn books lately, so give me that, but you're an Inquisitor. Or, like, an Inquisitor's apprentice. You pop down onto Terra in a little block, and that's your precinct, (laughs) and then you go outside, and the little girl has lost their cat spawn or whatever, and you say, oh no, that's bad, press X to help. And you press X, and then you kill a Chaos Spawn, which the cat became and then you give the bloody remains back to the girl, and then you say, praise the emperor, pat her on the head, and you get one CP. And then you go spend the CP. And you... a, a clown who gives you extra items. because I that's you were what you are going to say, like, press X for
0: exterminatus.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I do think the uh, Eisenhorn books would have been better now if they were limited to 100 square metres of some imperial hive, where all he did yeah. was minor quests for people.
1: <laughs> that's it just minor quest and like a story about rooting out some heresy or something and like protecting someone but yeah honestly just give me something which is like that because what hired gun has is this little town bit where you can buy stuff but there's only about five people in there and they don't say anything interesting <laughs> nothing interesting happens in yakuza you can go to a 7-eleven i want to go to a 40k 7-eleven and buy some corpse starch <laughs> and that's all you can buy Unless you use your Inquisitorial ring and then you unlock a door and then there's like a supermarket behind where you can buy all your fancy stuff. Corpse starch. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. XX. Yes. It boosts your health, et cetera. So yes, I want this game. No one's going to let you make this game. But then I realized that the people who made Yakuza also made a game of Fist of the North Star. So they basically have made a 40k game. <laughs> so I need to get on that and play that at some point. So and uh, explode someone with a million punches or something. <laughs> anyway, what game do you want to be made of? Well, what game hasn't been made of Warhammer which you might want to play because they've tried quite a few.
3: I mean, the other question, of course, or the expansion to this question is, is what game have they made but was unplayably bad? <laughs> and <laughs>
1: <laughs> what game do you want them to have another go at?
3: I mean, I I when you brought up this subject, I did think that Total War Warhammer Thirty k would be exciting, and then you could just you know toil across the galaxy. But I feel that's a bit predictable, Um, or or, you know particularly interesting. So, so maybe to lead on from your Kuzuh thing, I would like to see a good Warhammer RPG, um, which kind of you know is a lot of what Warhammer is good for is you know big crazy worlds with weird stuff going on and people who want to tell you all sorts of mad stuff. So um, yeah, I'd like a a, a a good computer RPG of uh, of 40k. I mean, I'd probably say Age of, Age of Sigma 2's in the offing, but I just want to walk around horrific architecture. Um, yeah. So yeah.
0: Something like Dragon Age or Mass Effect or Knights of the Old Republic, but Warhammer themed.
3: Yes, yeah, with lots of people nice. I can talk to, and they can make me do pointless quests and get stuff for them.
2: Yeah, being in the uh, Imperium is by and large itself a pointless quest, so very thematic there. What I'd like to see, I think, is I want to see a 4X game, but probably Age of Sigma is the best setting for this, I mean there's just so much Age of Sigma that you could do with this, I mean, and 4X, I've played a lot of fantasy 4X games, I think Probably the majority of them that have come out in the past six years. I've played so many 4X games. And what's really good about them is that they're almost always quite wobbly anyway. <laughs> so if you get a Warhammer one which is merely playable, you're actually in the upper echelons <laughs> of <like> 4X games. <laughs> like, oh, like that. that was
1: the... Wasn't there that one, the 40 Gladius or something? That
2: well, yeah, one? so that there is that one. But like, so the problem with those is that they're very much sort of like only about strategy and combat. And I think a good 4X game, especially sort of like the fantasy ones, have like quests and like things and some exploration. So, you know, you're actually looking and finding like what weird creatures live in these places. And I oh, know there are goblins here Better like, send some more Stormcast over there to like, Pop them.
3: <laughs> I mean, the idea of a 4X game where you could, you know, just explore a neighbouring settlement and discover there's a portal to hell in it, and now your entire game is going to be about the portal to hell that's now next to your capital, does sound potentially quite exciting. If 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 mm. like
1: yeah. Fun. I I I think Age of Sigma style. Yeah, that would that would be beautiful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've um they've been putting out some better stuff recently. I've been playing Age of Sigmar Storm Grounds, which is like a Hex based um roguelike sort of squad level Age of Sigmar combat game. That's pretty fun. It's not without jank, but I would I would put it in the higher tier of Warhammer themed games that have come out, definitely. There's one coming out called Battle Sector, I think. I think that's due in July.
1: Yeah, that's um, the one with blood angels and Tyranids.
0: Yeah, it looks kind of turn. I think it's like turn based, bigger than squad level, but not like trying to be an RTS. Um, that sounds quite interesting as well. I've
3: just thought of the game that is coming out, and was in, you know talking about walking around uh, hired gun, but well, that would be nice. Yeah. Is there's a thing? Um, it's not Vermintide, it's, is it Dark Tide? Dark, dark Tide. Tide.
0: I'm yes. really excited for Dark Tide. But
3: the problem there is though that it's a frantic co-op shooter which is going to really impede the ability to look at the architecture, I'm thinking. Yeah.
2: I think yeah. it might also be quite dark. <laughs>
3: That's true. <laughs> just yeah, just like be good
0: it. at killing stuff and then you'll have more of a breather to look yes. at. Yes. Or i just get
3: a, like three mates who are amazing at carrying my ass and I'd purely go on a walking tour of whichever horrible planet it is.
1: <laughs> I think those games, though, like Vermintide and Tide*, it looks like, Tide* does look really good, but it's kind of coming down on this side of gaming, which is, like, it's got to be intense. It's got to be everything, all of the time, everywhere. You've got to be concentrating on the game to actually play a lot of the game. Yeah. And I quite like the more meditative, like, like yakuza in fact yakuza doesn't give a crap like you just put that on easy and you walk about and people just get into fights with you and you press x and they go away <laughs> but um and like also i played a bit of um uh, the final fantasy 7 remake um and that's quite grimdark actually when you look at like the levels they've created and stuff just do that please um but it's it's a walking around game it's a game where you go around and you soak up the atmosphere and that's what kind of gets lost in these more frantic like hired gun like i want to just sit and admire the architecture and like have a more slow paced shooter it feels like but it's not that it's telling you to zip wire across this vast thing and turn off a train and explode something and then an ambot appears and explodes and (laughs) glitches and then you sink into the floor and get stuck on a box so all in day's work yeah it's hard life being a bounty
3: hunter. I'm saying you'd want the, you know, the Games Workshop Final Fantasy VII game. That would be quite fun to be Eisenhorn. That you're just walking across the map, and then suddenly the screen spins, and you're in a turn-based fight with you know two Eldar rangers and a, a warlord titan or something.
1: <laughs> and you just tell them how great you yeah. are, and then
3: they go away. You use a potion on them.
1: <laughs>
0: I think if I had to wish list a game that didn't exist i would go for an like assassinorum execution force theme of some kind whether that is you pick what kind of assassin you are and play like io's modern hitman games um or whether it's maybe more in the vein of like the old commandos games and you've got a squad to play with or like xcom i guess is the other modern touch point for that um but I think there's probably some really interesting things you could do with, um, like, the Calidus being able to change their appearance and yeah. how you model in-game a Calexus just being, like, such an abhorrent presence <laughs> that they're good at assassinating <laughs> people. <laughs> or, like, when to um, set off your um, angry assassin <laughs> Before you have to put them back into
3: stasis. <laughs> yeah. Or before their blood explodes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that could be, that could be cool. What's the, the assassins that never get mentioned? I can't remember what they're called. Now, there's two oh, There's two additional temples, which is the poison one. the poison one
0: and the laptop one. Yeah, well, that's what
3: I was about to say. There's the 4X one. So that, That's yeah. your 4X game, is you just play one of these assassins whose job it is to... If you want to kill one person on the planet, you just cause a sector-wide war to yeah. to annihilate everything. Is it
0: Vanus? Vanus Temple,
3: I think? Yes, that might be it.
0: I've just read Talan in the Horus Heresy series, and there's some very good instances of one of those assassins in that book. I won't spoil anything, but yeah, that's what
1: got me thinking about assassins recently, actually. Hmm. Good. Ooh. Well, I think I think we've solved video games, and of course, video games are very easy to make for everyone. Yeah, you can just go <laughs> just, and do it now. If someone can just do all of those ideas now, yeah, that'd be good. Sell it to Games Workshop. To be honest, I'm surprised that Games Workshop haven't hired us already. So, yeah, absolutely. Actually, the last thing which I make is I've got Dreams on the PlayStation, and if you haven't come across Dreams, Dreams is a game where people can just make other games, which mostly means that people try and make Sonic fan games, <laughs> but. You can search, and I have looked in there, and I'm gonna go back. Maybe it's an article idea. I'm gonna go and find people's fan games for Warhammer, which they've made oh, using Dreams. That is, an I know that someone, enough. someone made a Space Marine. I know that, and it was good because the thing is, Dreams has got like this graphics engine that you you can't make particularly bad looking things in it. So, well, you can. You can really mess it up, but you can add your own voiceover. So. <laughs>
3: Awesome home gr- homegrown gravelly voiceover. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: I'm so excited by this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, there we go. I, I might go do some research later. Nice. See what's see what's up.
0: Hmm. Where, should, where should we go now? Have it, Drew. You wanted to talk about um, or follow on from your narrative, gaming, and crusade chat, bit, I think
3: yeah, I, I think. It, it, it might be too early to have this conversation but given that I'm I'm riding the high at the moment of getting into Crusade but also because I read something James had written uh, on a community space earlier today which I think Crusade might even answer um, yeah I think Crusade is, is the way that I want to play 40k um, and it, it answers a lot of questions that I sort of have always had about forty k. You know, I want to play games that are narrative, and I want to play games where me losing isn't quite the same as me just you know not being good enough uh, at whatever I'm doing. And I think Crusade answers quite a lot of those questions. And the other thing I've always wanted to do is I don't get to play games very often, so I always want to put all my toys on the table and play with them, and that doesn't really. You know, can't play every game. Shouldn't be a two thousand point game, three thousand point game. So, how do you sort of solve all those things? I, I assume that you're all reasonably fay with what Crusade is, um, how it works. Yeah, re- yeah, reasonably. Reasonably. I mean, so it's, you 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 have a roster, and from that roster, you choose your force for each fight, and it's pitched as a smaller scale game. Um, you know, uh, five hundred points to a thousand points, or the equivalent in power level, and it's built around power level too, which is something that I never got into in Eighth Edition. I always felt that points kind of were needed, um, and I'm not quite sure why, because you know my concept of game balance is, is out the window. I have no idea. But yeah, so Crusade is, is power level based and you have a sort of roster of things and you choose who's going to be in the battle and they fight. And depending on what you do, uh, they get XP and they get better and things. And it, it just builds this kind of narrative where I can put lots of my toys in my roster. So they're kind of there and I have the opportunity to use them. And... Because it's power level, you're able to sort of adjust your games very quickly, and you're not really thinking about what's effective. You just think, "What toys do I want to use now?" <laughs> and because it's small scale, or you know it's pitched at small scale certainly at the beginning uh, at, you know, at the beginning of the game, the most you can fit into your force is fifty power levels slash a thousand points, so. From the beginning, you're kind of aiming at something quite small. So, yeah, you're starting this sort of narrative game and you just go, Oh, which toys do I want to play with now? And then I'll use them on the table and I'll probably play a 25 power level game and then I'll get to play another one with some different toys. And they're both over quite quickly. And because you get XP for doing stuff and doing stuff, you you have options for, uh, they call it agendas. So, there's obviously like a mission you're doing and that nets you some kind of reward if you win, which obviously you might not, but (laughs) you can also give yourself agendas and agendas are these things that play to your strengths and let you um, give your units XP effectively, or you can give them other perks too, uh, through playing the mission, so it means that even if you're not worried about winning the mission, you might want to win your agenda you've set, and you might want to keep playing, because if you kill enough stuff then that unit gets some XP Um, so the game has a meaning because it's part of a continuous campaign and the other kind of clever thing they've done is the issue that you always have with campaign games previously if you know the things i've run in the past is you either run them over a weekend or you have to find a committed group of people and you know if you write this narrative campaign and one player drops out then suddenly that's a big gap in the narrative with uh, crusade it's you could just pick up and go with anyone who's playing a crusade game, and there's balancing options yeah. within that. I mean, I don't know how effective they are, but it's it's there. The idea is that you could play with various people, they're not all the same people, and you can just mix around doing stuff um, with your story. And I don't think it's perfect, and I'll probably say at the end some things that I've done already to tweak it, even before playing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, We've obviously been through the games we've played recently, and that's all pretty much since the launch of 9th. But do you guys have any... Have you looked at Crusade at all? Are you interested in it?
0: I've not had a chance to play it, but I have read quite a lot about various different factions, rules, and a few reports like yours of people having played some Crusade to the point that I um, messaged fellow uh, friend of the show... Pete. friend of the show, has been on the show before. <laughs> Pete, um, and said, "Do you want to help me organize a crusade event at some point?" Which um, I love attending events, but event organization is not my forte. So I am excited enough about it to want to try and get some kind of community event going. Um, like you say, it's it's not ne- it's not necessary for it to be an in person thing, but I think it's maybe a good hook. A narrative weekend or something as well mm-hmm. so um, that's, that's my exposure to it so far but having everything I know about it I think I
1: agree with your assessment of it kind of yeah
0: being how I would most like to
1: play 40k I think it's really really telling how it's really and they never really gave you any reason to play narrative games a narrative game was basically an open play game almost like you yeah. use it was kind of just like tell a story with your games, wouldn't that be fun?
3: Or it was historical fights, that was the other way it was always pitched. Like, oh, there was a war here back in the day, and this tank column met this naughty elf or something, and this happened. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah. here's the one mission we've written into this book that you can recreate.
1: Now it's been so bolstered out, and um, I've got the Admet codex, and I haven't had a chance to play with it yet but just reading some of the rules in there are just so like chef's kiss sort of stuff it's like oh collect things for, like destroy an enemy vehicle and then loot it and then use bits of that enemy vehicle to put together your own weapon and then roll a dice to see what weapon you make yeah that kind of stuff is just the juiciest of stakes which i want to get into with when i play warhammer in particularly and Narrative. Uh, I mean, matched play and things. It's it's nice to have this sort of a shared agreement between two players that you're going to try and kick each other's ass. That's fine. That's one way of playing the game. But I like the idea of just putting your models down and like saying, okay, well, Tech Priest Manipulus Barangus Johansson is going to come across here and try and steal all of your stuff and oh he's been successful great oh no he's taken a head wound luckily he's grown another head and then swapped bodies into a different body because he killed his last one and stuff like that <laughs> is is really great and and it's got so much uh stuff which you can really get a hold of for events and allow people to tell their own stories when they're playing in an event space because i think that's one thing that also gets missed out when there is a narrative event you're trying to play into this wider story, but the wider story is often... Well, the ones which I've been to at Warhammer Worlds are... There's a hundred people in this room. Your battle isn't actually going to matter that much. It's just that chaos kicked everyone's ass that day. So that's mm. the story of the day, where the stories in the games weren't quite as interesting. But if I was carrying through my army and earning stuff and finding yeah. out tales about them, then it becomes something a lot more involved but also fun because it also is using power levels. So it's already got that, eh, you, you, this ain't going to be matched all the time. This is just going to be some
3: fun. Uh, there's one thing I should say as well, is that what you've described there and what I found and I a, um, is that if you have a new codex, it has Crusade stuff in the codex. Whereas I quite want to play Crusade with Orcs and, I'm, and I don't want to start playing until the new Orc codex comes out. Uh, because it's just going to change stuff. Uh, so yeah. this is slightly imperfect, that if you've got a new book, you've got a lot more of a fun time planned for Crusade, whereas if you've got an old book, there's stuff in the core rules that let you do things, but it's not to the same level. You know, like James is saying there, the Admech are aiming at doing special weapons from killing stuff. The Sisters of Battle are aiming at earning sort of saint points for their characters to turn their characters into saints, um, and you know the Necrons have—that's who I've been playing Crusade with—have their own sort of set of rules, their own set of things they're trying to do, which obviously you don't get if you haven't got an army book yet.
1: And the Drukhari, are—they're building out their little pocket empire in Kamori. Yes, right? I think yeah. so.
0: Yeah, that sounds rad. The Necrons have an absolutely wild, like, title generation. Si- um system for the characters in their crusade section and I love it, it's so good. So like you have named characters in Necrons like Tracing the Infinite and Andrakir the Traveller. And what this allows you to do is develop a long convoluted name like that for your overlord after a couple of a couple of Crusade games and they can end up with several names. It's it's really, really cool. I
1: was gonna say I can't wait for the custodies one where you just keep rolling on the name generator. Just <laughs> mm. for every after every game, roll for everyone. <laughs> Add an extra name to all of your custodies.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, because they have they have their names engraved in the armor yeah. right on the inside. They just have
1: thousands of names each.
3: And I think yeah, the other thing I found really easy was just, you know power level just works for it, feels totally natural. Because you're just looking at what toys you want to take for the game, yeah. it, you're not really paying attention to how balanced it is. And you know you're going to play a quick game and then you're going to play a different quick game and things. Power
0: level's underrated for sure. Yeah. It's a really nice way of getting a game set up quickly. Not perfect, but, you know, the point system isn't perfect. So
1: Yes. And it has it has that bonus as well. Like uh, I think they kind of experimented with it in war cry uh, where you can just play anyone with your, like it's your army, but that does seem to be missing some of the uh, hooks that you could get into it. If you were playing in a longer campaign with the people, which, you know, and you could mix it with the city fight stuff, which they did fairly where they have the map when you can take territories and um, some,
0: some pretty specific ideas a narrative event but it does it does require it being in person and over a confined period of time
1: i think it, it's just it's just exciting that they've sort of committed to those kind of rules They're, it's kind of like uh we talk about soulbound quite a lot and there's i think there's parallels to it in that soulbound is an art like a, a tabletop rpg in that you can the rules are are light enough to tell the story that your players want to do without getting bogged down between with the interactions between each other because most of your interactions in Crusade are about what you are doing and like what your army is doing, yeah. so you're not affecting the other player too much. All you're doing with them is having a game of 40k and having a bit of fun and like trying to achieve your objectives, which have been. You don't have to achieve just slaughter to yeah achieve those things so you can lose and still gain something you're still having an effect on your stuff you, you can roll wounds all of those things and it's just a really great way to play uh in a more friendly manner and also have more meaning behind your interactions in a way and a more meaning behind your collection at the end of the day as well so
0: alistair do you have any uh, like narrative gaming experience or hopes and dreams
2: Uh, I mean, well, I don't really play. Oh, well, I don't play 40k. Um, It's coming for um, Age of
3: Sigma as well, potentially a similar system. Yes,
2: we hear that there's something coming along for third edition of Age of Sigma, which could be very cool too. I mean, we haven't seen anything in the third edition ready codex battle tomes, Um, so like, I'm not sure if they're going to do the same thing where like an army is going to have its own path to glory, sort of like. Objectives. Um, I think all the stuff could be really cool, um, but then they might do the same thing that they did for um, Warcry, where they release a specific tome of the. This is Path of Glory of Order, and you know there could be lots of options in there for Order, and they could do the same for all the Grand Alliances. For instance, if it's not going to go into the battle tomes themselves, and I mean, maybe we'll just have to see how it goes. I guess. Um, yeah. But I, I like narrative gaming a lot. Um, I think that it's really cool. I haven't really managed to be in a game which has worked out um, various... I played Necromunda a long time ago, which had Necromunda problems, and I played in a wartime <laughs> game more recently, which had more time problems. <laughs> um, and by that, I mean one side had Im- grossly Im- imbalanced rules and so, it wasn't so much a narrative as much as <laughs> oh, this this faction showed up and won again because they had faster people than everyone else.
1: That was always the risk with the older games, though. You get that snowball effect of once someone has won twice, yeah. they are so far ahead of you but just because they never gave you any bonus for losing.
2: <laughs> Yeah, that's the yeah. big problem. So I mean, like, the, I really like the new sort of approach that the infrastructure has taken writing these rules, and I think I think that there's potential for Age of Sigmar. I, hopefully, it's going to be really cool.
3: I mean, that possibly leads into my kind of couple of complaints about Crusade, which, which are worth saying, I think. Which is, I've basically said the first one, which is that, yeah, if if you haven't got a book, you're missing a, a, at least a chunk of the the fun. And yeah, that's <clears throat> that is kind of difficult to get around. And I, I think the other thing is the the stuff that comes in the core rule book is a very basic setup for how it works. So there's a few missions, but the way it structures this, and you know, this is the other half of a narrative campaign, which I think games which have always struggled with. And we kind of said before, is that they have this narrative play system, then they don't actually tell you how to do narrative games. It's not a very good lead-in to people because, okay, you write your army roster in this and you give everyone names, but then how you actually apparently play a narrative game is you either roll a dice and choose a mission, or you agree to choose a mission with your opponent, and that isn't narrative, that's just a kind of you know, it's just another way of setting up a game. And so you've got this RPG element, but you haven't got the story element. And I think I'd like to have seen, by now, maybe some kind of campaign book that isn't a specific, you know, isn't like a traditional GW campaign book where you've got a load of extra rules on a certain planet and this is all going on here. It's just a way of structuring a campaign and... Maybe a few extra tables for each faction, just so all the factions have something they can dip into. Uh, Because you know we're going to be waiting a long time for some of them. And also, you know, a basic campaign structure of, you know, there's Planet, generic, and you're fighting over it, and this is how you structure a campaign in whatever way. Uh, Because what I did before starting mine is I just added a Matrix campaign to it from the off. And just accepted that, you know, uh, that's some way of us choosing games before we begin. Um, And that, you know, gives us something to play with. I know I've got a lot of experience doing narrative play, so there's there's other ways of doing that. But I think that's very lacking from the main book.
0: Um, Yeah, it does feel like a framework would really help it, right? Like you say, not just being... What random mission are we narratively playing
3: this week? Yes, exactly. I'd like to have seen some kind of guidance for that in the form of a of something. I could say a campaign book would have been nice, I think. And you know, if they could need to support it, that would be excellent. And we are you know, that would be great. And GW can really build up on it. So I'd like to see GW obviously listening, um <laughs> to, to, to take that chance to kind of start to do more stuff um so hopefully we'll see stuff in future and then the other problem i've immediately noticed with the sisters is is that they're they're not the most balancedly written set of things in their campaign book like there's certain agendas that are just so much better than any of the other ones that it becomes like well i've just used this and there's no reason not to um which isn't ideal. And then the other thing is a big part of the sisters framework is built around turning your characters into saints. And I think that's quite limited, actually. Um, they look so undoable. Like There's there's, I think there's five different paths and you're effectively on a quest to complete each one, but you haven't got a lot of agency over completing that. A lot of it is the opponent needs to do things and you have to, Either be on the receiving end of it or stop them, and oh, right. at least one of them is psychic only. Mm. And the only way the people I'm likely to play are Necrons, Drakari, and Tau. And okay, <laughs> that's a me problem, but at the same time, it, it's there. So that's one of the paths or the four paths I just know I'll never do. But even the other ones, you're relying on. Uh, stuff happening that you, you, I think you're not going to see happen very often uh, and you know I've run a lot of role playing games and I, my rule there is always you want to see some meaningful advance every two to three games which with the XP you get for a unit you, you probably are going to see that but realistically for the kind of the sister stuff it could be a long time I think if you see any of this thing so it's lots of, sort of dead space in the book that side of things isn't great and then also i've noticed in the sisters book uh if you take a certain character you just get unlimited free relics on
0: no yeah you pointed this out you know just all your characters
3: thing. which is kind of a bit wonky the other way
0: <laughs> yeah i think i mean that's bad faith interpretation of a narrative system to to do that i guess but you're right in that the way it's written totally enables that.
3: Yes, I mean that's I, the other change that I actually made when I put uh, this campaign off the bat, is that you don't get, uh, there's, there's options to, with your requisition points, which are your second currency in the campaign, to just buy relics and warlord traits, and I think that that is narratively a mistake, and that there are missions that give them as a reward and that is what you should be having only. The only way to get relics, and the only way to get warlord traits is through playing missions that specifically reward it. in that's because then you have a motivation to do those missions. But obviously that makes a much bigger difference if you can choose the missions you're playing, if you're just rolling dices yeah. for them. That... Do you think that Games Virtual have
1: kind of missed a bit of a trick by not having those campaign structures then, like to help people structure what kind of campaign they're going to be taking part in and make more informed choices about how they play because they do kind of do that with the necromunda where there's like the different types of campaign you can do you can do the one where they people descend into chaos you can do like the law and order style campaigns mm. but like gw's campaign books so far have kind of been like you're in the pariah nexus this is got more stuff for you to do yeah go ahead have some fun and they put a lot onto you maybe it's being greedy they just gave us this whole system where you can make your army really personal but they still haven't quite solved how that creates a campaign with people together
2: um i think that you're always going to run into a bit of a disconnect in any of these um campaign systems because uh all that a games company can do or anyone writing rules for a sort of Campaign, whether it's for a role-playing game or a tabletop game, or a play-by-post forum game, um, you know, you can build a, a an airtight system because, unfortunately, like the when you add enough openness that you can build whatever you want and like build your own personal journey through this thing, you're also gonna leave um, like openings for people to just power game the hell out of everything um and and also i mean there's going to be possibilities for combinations of things to end up with you know you don't you just don't fight any missions in which you get relics that could be very bad too yeah mm-hmm. um so i think that you need first of all you're going to need human intervention to be like okay we're going to do this and this at these points we're going to have like an opportunity to get a relic or to fight for supremacy in this situation. But at the same time, I think you also need a certain level of buy-in and good faith from all the people involved. I mean, if you're playing a one-off game with someone at your local shop, I suppose it matters less. But if you're trying to play a, a four-player ca- crusade game um, over a couple of months and three of you are playing narratively and one of, the, one of you is trying to get infinite free relics... Um, it's difficult, right? You need you need a human interaction and you need to yeah. an agreement between everyone yeah. so that things work.
0: I don't know that it's on the system to solve that particular issue. No. <laughs> so much as the stern talking to.
2: Well, we haven't they haven't managed it yet, right, and they've been trying for uh, a good two <laughs> decades and, and yeah. change now. Yeah. And yet we still have infinite grenades being thrown <laughs> by a Imperial Guardsman and things. <laughs>
1: It's it it it's the closest they've got, I think. By, I don't think I've seen. Not that I've played that many other games from other manufacturers and things, but I haven't really seen many games attempt to strap a RPG narrative system to a war game, a tabletop yeah. war game. Oh. And in that in that case, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Because I think I would have probably, if someone had said, oh, you should play i don't know um a mantic game or something else and they said this has got progression through stuff and like through your games and it had a narrative which everyone can compete in and things like that to be honest i'd probably be a lot more interested in those games or if like star wars legions was like this is star wars but you get to role play your little commander throughout the whole thing it'd be like oh maybe i do like star wars that much to get into star wars but as as it stands, it seems like they didn't need to do it like this, and they seem to have gone in on this quite hard with the narrative stuff so far. So yeah, it certainly seems like a good framework.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, so, I think um, that what they've done is definitely like one of the better attempts that I've seen. I've read quite a few rule sets.
3: I mean, the the old issue of narrative play, and the thing that Forty K's or 40K, Games Workshop games have always had. Games Workshop games have always been. Mostly narrative focused to some degree, but it's always been you know if if you can run one happy days you're off to do that and it, you know it's it's yeah. it's having the people there they've never really captured structuring it and I think that's what I'd like to see as a you know not to solve the problem but to be guidance to people of how you run a mini campaign how you start a campaign off and that's the sort of the seed from which people can grow from because yeah i mean i've got narrative stuff in every generation of the game i've played but that's because i am happy doing that and that i think's always been the, the challenge and i'd like to see more of that supported you know the the like i said the, sort of the fertile soil laid out but system wise yeah it is. it's a good starting point
1: i know what it needs bring back war gear cards <laughs> <laughs> i was just yeah, looking over at, like warhammer quest under there and i was thinking how cool it was that you when you build your characters in uh, blackstone fortress and curse city you pick up equipment and you put it in your character your little sleeve with your character you pop your equipment in there let me do that for uh my tech priest let me stick together two cards together and say he made that and it's my vortex grenade strapped to a, i don't know a d cannon <laughs> and uh, yeah give me that More physical objects. I think actually physical objects are the thing that gets you into war games a lot of the time. So double down on them. Don't give me more stratagems in a book because I'm not going to read them. I'm going to forget they're there. Give me a stratagem on a coin that you flip and it lands on the table and it says, that's where an orbital strike happens, mate.
0: (laughs) Nice. I guess, in a way, Alistair, this kind of leads into your topic as well of uh, the concept of army building, at least.
2: Uh, well, yes. I mean, to quickly go around, uh, does everyone else in the pod currently have, like, a 2,000-point army for something? <laughs> James, you just said that you have, I have more than one. that of ADMEC.
1: <laughs> I have one army, and it is just ADMEC. I didn't mean to get a 4,000-point ADMEC army, and it makes no sense. If, if someone said, put together a 4,000-point army... You would not build the army that I have there. <laughs> so, mm. I I organically grew it. Cool though. Takes up space, that's for sure. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. <laughs>
2: Rich and Drew, do you have you had have you guys completed armies?
0: Yes, yes, several. Completed is a few. strong word,
2: but <laughs> our army has happened certainly. Yeah. Okay. So what? I was I've been thinking about recently I mean with age of Sigmar three coming up is that I've got really quite a lot of beasts of chaos and steps of darkness unpainted I've got a lot of models but then don't have a full two thousand painted force for either of them um, and I actually haven't had a full army of a army scale tabletop game ever um, despite painting quite a lot of things um, and oh. I realize that I've never really come at it with any sort of plan. Like, I've I've bought models because I think that they're cool at the time or cheap at the time or, like, had a battle force available or et cetera, et cetera. and um And as such, I have these large collections, but I've never actually sort of, like, gone in with a plan to be, like, oh, okay, this is how I'm going to build my 2,000 points. And, and I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if the like... Maybe a better solution would be to build a 2,000-point list and paint everything in it, or just sort of paint models as they go past. And maybe that's what you did, James, until until there's a cupboard full of ADMEC. <laughs> I just kept going. That was my problem. I still haven't stopped
1: either. I bought some more the other day.
2: Rich, you sort of went in, I think at least one of your armies, you sort of built... Your Eldar, right, with this. You have 2,000 points, and then you painted them.
0: Yeah, so I vary. So I've got a big Age of Sigmar Nighthaunt army that was kind of, as you describe, like, things were cheap, things were available, just acquired a lot of things over time. But I did also follow up on painting that. So I've got three, three or 4,000 points of Nighthaunt, and that's, like, a big completed... Everything in it is painted when I say completed. So I occasionally add something to that. But yeah, I've also uh, always, since, since seeing the models, kind of wanted an Iandan blue and yellow Eldar Wraith army. I really like the Wraith constructs. And really late 2018, early
2: 2019,
0: I decided that I would follow through on that and I bought some stuff, and then I kind of worked out an army list that got to about 2,000 points ish, and pretty much had one or more of everything that I thought was cool in that range. Um, Plus a few things I didn't think were cool because you've got to have HQs, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I, I assembled it, and I painted some of it, and then over lockdown I actually made myself paint the rest of it, but that was very much painted to a plan. Um, yeah, so this is this is a thing I have done before and can heartily recommend, I guess. I, I like having the motivation of, like, this is what I'm working to, and when it's all done I'm going to lay it out and take a picture of it. That's that's about where my interest in wargaming
1: ends. <laughs> I do like playing, but put army on table and take a photo of it is is the end goal. I need to turn the question back on you, Alistair. Do you want a two
2: thousand point
1: fully painted army.
2: Um. Well, I do like having. I do. I'm, so yeah, I've had a sort of like ongoing sort of question about like why do I collect models? I mean, I think that they're cool. Uh, which was is the main reason I buy them. Um. But I don't play. I don't definitely. Don't, I'm not buying them to like play in competitive like tournaments or anything. So yeah, like. W- the question is, sort of like, why do I own these things? But I do like painting them, and I do like finishing things. Um, so I do kind of want to, like, build a, at least, yeah, get a, a 2,000 points of things, and then be like, I have done it. I have done climbed the mm-hmm. mountain. Um, because, I mean, there's lots of things that I enjoy painting. I mean, uh, a couple of months, well, I've been not painting more of my Tao, I don't play 40k, but I bought some Tau like at the beginning of the year um, because there was a battle force, ha. Ah. Um, and I painted some of those, and I really liked doing so. And I could see myself painting up to 2,000 points of that. And there, actually, I did sort of like work out: okay, if I paint one of everything that I want, then I will have 2,000 points. Um, and sort of that's an interesting case because there, it's completely divorced from any sort of like game-related. Like needs or drives because I don't play 40k, <laughs> um, but <laughs> robots are cool. But you could, you could play. <laughs> I could play 40k. This is true. Um, so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm not really sure where oh, yeah, I'm going with this. <laughs> you don't
1: have to. That's the thing. It is. It, it, it's 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 a thing. Like, do you, mm-hmm. if you if you want to have a 2,000 point painted army. That's a possibility, and there's things, steps in which you have to go through to get to that point. But you don't have to engage with anything on that level if you don't want to. You don't have to play a game on hard mode because it's got a hard mode. You can play it on easy. You can, or you can find the bit in the thing that you like doing. So,
3: hmm. yeah, hmm.
0: yeah.
1: There you go. There's the Zen take.
2: No, it's a good take. Thanks. I feel I
0: feel like Drew might have thoughts on this.
2: Um, I've certainly
3: done both. I've done organic armies and I've done armies with a plan as it were, uh like the the vampires I've got into. <clears throat> I have gone in with the specific mind of this is going to be a 2000 point force. I've bought the things I like, I'll paint them and then I'll, I have planned out but not yet bought the things that will go around them, which is basically a lot of zombies because it's it's Soulblight and that's what vampires have as their friends. Um, And i and, and not wanting to get too deep into Age of Sigma, I, I think I will keep it as that. And, and probably, you know, I'll have all the models I like by that point, which is kind of what got me into the vampires. And with the orcs that I've started for Crusade, I am—that's um, a new army—and I'm building it purely as a Crusade force. But then there are plenty of other forces that I've got that are just I don't know, some stuff that I have, <laughs> and definitely got some of those. Yeah, if if, you, if I paint enough of these, then I'll have some kind of valid army, and you know, I might have a thousand points that. I can never fit into an army because I've not done this in a sensible way, but
1: yeah. Um, I found I found that with um, Age of Sigmar as a game which I wasn't particularly engaged with. And then a few years ago, there was a narrative event which was organised via a Discord and things. And we were like, oh yeah, let's go and do this thing. And then I realised I don't have an Age of Sigmar army. So the best thing to do is probably just go buy one. And then I suddenly had a, a Zinch army. Because I just picked the one which I wanted to have. And then I very quickly realised. I don't like this army particularly. I just bought it because I liked some of the models. But I didn't like enough of them. And you have to have all these demons. I don't want to buy any more demons. And I think that's the bit where you get that project. It's project creep I guess. It's the thing where you start investing in something. And you go I quite like this. Or I would need this for a game. And then the actual effort of completing that project having the thing completing or or not finishing it worse and then putting it in a shoebox and leaving it under your bed <laughs> that's probably worse than not being real with yourself and saying actually you know i didn't need that i could have just not done that uh, but obviously there's the excitement of new army and like oh i want to have this project oh i want to have a gloom spike get army oh i want all these trolls and things oh i want custodies oh i want space marines i want new necrons i want these things i want that and if you don't have a quick way of painting those things all of those projects will back up straight away because we all have lives we've all got jobs and things a lot of the time or like If we don't have a job, we're probably panicking because it seems like the capitalism demands that we do that. Um, And then capitalism demands that we buy armies. So it's a cycle which we get lost in. And it it doesn't have to be that way. That's the thing. You can choose how you engage and you can choose what you want and what you don't want. And it's sometimes hard to resist things. And that's how you get shame piles Mm. or piles of potential and things like that. And then you need to kind of gamify how you get rid of that stuff. And the real answer to getting rid of stuff is probably just give it to someone else or sell it or or don't buy it in the first place. But those are very, very, very hard things to do when you're actually engaged with the law, and you're engaged with the hobby and you're engaged with the new things. So uh, hello, we're Ouroboros eating ourselves, sort of.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of great hobbyists out there who have never once displayed on their social media, or interviews in White Dwarf, or wherever it may be. They've never once displayed an army. It's just, here's a cool model i spent some time on, it and I'm happy with it. Now I'm going to buy this other cool unit that I like from a different game. Paint that, and mm. that's a totally reasonable way of engaging with it. I think I would recommend, my recommendation, if someone wants to build a horse of a particular army, a game would always be buy what you want to start with, whether that is one unit that you think looks cool or one combat patrol or start collecting box or even battle force that's a really good deal and maybe has limited availability but whatever it is buy that and paint it and check that you like painting (laughs) and if possible, if it's something like combat patrol try and play a game with it as well and check that you like that game system or how the army plays or both, ideally. And then, if you've got ticks in the boxes, my, for me, my go-to recommendation then is to sign up to an event. And so I've successfully done this in the past with like friendly local gaming store Slow Grow events where I've gone like 500 points first month which is like a start collecting box then maybe like 800, 1200 1600, 2000 that is actually quite a pace to buy and paint stuff at but um, the principles there at least you can quite often find people doing 1000 point beginner events or maybe like even in power level which is nice talking 40k Um, or of course you can just have small games with friends but I've always found an event to be a powerful motivator, and because for an event you need to write a list, you can write a list that includes the things that you've got already. It doesn't matter if they're good or not, probably. Um, unless you're a, you really want to win. But you probably shouldn't be starting an army and hoping to win with it immediately. Um, but yeah, you can think about what you've got, think about what you would like to add to get to the the points or power level target, the event. Whether that's just through I really like battle suits, I want to add more battle suits, or whether it's I really think I need to add something heavy and something mobile and a wizard. Whatever your logic is for building that, you are building a list and that gives you a finite list of things to buy and paint in that time and you can budget it against your expenses and against your time availability and make it happen because what i find i do a lot is think i'm going to start a space marine project let's say and then every time you see someone selling off some cheap space marines or you just in a shop and you want a bit of retail therapy and you just think, oh, I'll buy some and then you do, you end up with these piles of thousands of points of things that make no sense as an army and are are kind of there menacing you and that is also fine if, you know, as long as you're living within your means, none, none of this is a problem, but I, or getting to that I have a 2,000-point army that I'm happy to show off. I find events, or just organised, it doesn't have to be an event, just organised games with people at that target level is a really good way of putting a framework around what you need to make and paint in that time. And then when you put it on the table for the game, you've got a nice backdrop to take a cool photo of your army as well. And then because it's freshly painted, it'll all die. Yeah. That's the rule.
1: But, Every single yeah. unit will go off the table if that's your first army. Mm. I have rules. found that.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get, yeah, it, it, it is... It, it's just as it's a system that you don't have to engage. You engage with it on the way you want to. That's the important thing. Never feel pressured to do anything. Like, if you want to have a game with a fully painted army there is a level of work that you have to put in to get to that so you are going to build out systems and ways of doing that for yourself and finding a color scheme that works for you is also something Mm. which is like the only reason why i pretty much have a, a massive admech army and not a blood angel army is that i find painting admech a lot easier because i kind of made up a way of doing it that worked for me and then I could just keep doing it and it was in lockdown. It was in lockdown one so it's like what else am I going to do? I'm just going to sit here and try and bury my head in the sand and paint a tech priest.
3: That That's a real problem I have actually Is and I think that's something that you need to think about is the painting level that you want to go for because so many of the projects I have live these days are so demanding to paint that Uh, yeah getting through them is a real struggle and i think saying before it's like you know if you buy an army and you prime it all and it's all ready to go you know you're just going to paint it all and work through it and get your 2000 points that is a herculean undertaking if you're gonna paint that to any real standard um
1: or, or even, uh, it, it's those are then, again, your own standards which get in the way of you completing the project almost. Like, I know lots of quick ways to paint a model. I can wash and dry brush. I can put an oil wash on now, apparently, and that's quite fun. Mm. And then rub it off and then you can do blending that way and stuff forbidden, like that. You learn all these tiny. forbidden things which Games Workshop won't tell you. The things Games Workshop won't tell you about painting. They lie all the time. But they like contrast paints, all of those things. You can get an amazing painted army because an army together looks great. Even if the painting standard air quotes is not as high as like your showpiece painting, but then you're, playing that game with yourself which i kind of described earlier with like i have painted these goblins to a certain standard i want to keep painting the goblins to a certain standard but now i know how a quicker way of painting a whole goblin army but i'm not going to do it because i'm a fool because yeah. <laughs> i already started and i refuse to not do it the other way so things like it's that can cool hold shit. you back and you don't need to do that to yourself For James. Sure. what's next in james's therapy session
0: <laughs> well yeah, maybe you can th- therapize me as well. Um, because kind of following on from that discussion, I kind of bring it down at the end, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, this is the so chill out topic... room at the end
1: of the night. Just like yeah, yeah
0: my topic is existential dread, hobby dread. <laughs> Let's call it a hobby dread. Um, so we've just talked about shame piles and having a lot of models um, and I'm going to I am going to try and twist this topic to not just be me complaining about having a lot of models because that's a bit gauche maybe but I don't know if anyone else feels this way I find myself almost always buying things quicker than I can paint I can paint pretty quickly I'd like to think I put stuff out at a pretty rapid pace but I I like to I like to buy things. Retail therapy is definitely a part of this hobby. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I'm living I'm living this dread at the moment of so much unfinished stuff and thinking soon I might need to move house and transport it all. And just what do you do with it? I think like pretty categorically it's all stuff that I want or have wanted at some point. But Maybe the scales are tipping to. I don't want it hovering over my psyche more than <laughs> I want the potential army that it represents. Um, my my go-to example of this, maybe framing it as an example will help more. I love Star Wars. Don't need that bit psychoanalyzing. I know it's there's a lot of controversy. There. Um, Star Wars Legion. Is a game that really appeals to me and has really quite nice 28-ish mil scale models for your generic troops and your heroes. They're cool. And they paint out really nicely. So, over the years, I'd acquired a bit of rebellion stuff. Um Like a few squads of troopers, a couple of heroes and some walkers. And then they released a Clone Wars set and you know the prequel films are pretty objectively bad probably but i have very gross tinted view of them because i was the, the age that they were released for and i thought oh i desperately want this clone wars set it's got cool battle droids it's got cool clones it's got obi-wan kenobi and it looks like and mcgregor I mean, we all want a tiny plastic Ewan McGregor, really, don't we? Exactly. And it's got a little General Grievous as well, if that's more your thing. (laughs) You can point the models at each other and say, hello there. (laughs) (laughs) So I told myself, and this was, I think, the start of lockdown one. I'll buy myself that if I can get all of the Rebel stuff painted. And I did. I got it all done. I contrasted a lot of it, but, you know, reasonably happy with how it looks and I have a Clone Wars set and I painted that starter set and Fantasy Flight Games as it was then have really strange stocking issues where stuff will come into stock and then it'll disappear and then you won't see it again for 12 or 18 months until it comes back into stock so I got into a habit of just like buying box sets as they appeared for the clones and the droids I think I'm seeing where this
3: story goes built up
0: quite a shame pile in both directions and I now have like a three two or 3 issue with this game which is one I effectively have no affection for that rebel army anymore because the Clone Wars stuff is painted much nicer <laughs> and I also have probably closer to like a functioning army for either of those factions than I do for the rebel And then the second part of it is, as we've kind of covered already, for those I have a huge looming shame pile that's got to the point where it it feels, both physically and mentally, like a teetering pile of boxes that might fall over (laughs) and hit me in the head. Um, And I could get through it, you see. But it's not the only thing vying for my attention. And then the third part of this (laughs) is that I have never played this game. (laughs) (laughs) And even if I get two forces painted, I can't really imagine playing this game (laughs) or who I will play it with or when I will play it. I I can imagine getting, like, a game here or there. But am I massively fussed about, like, adding Legion tournaments to my hobby event rotation? Probably not. And so this has just caused anguish i would say and i really really want to frame this as this is like absolutely the w- wettest problem that someone could possibly <laughs> claim to have is that they've bought too many star wars toys but
1: you know i can i can only deal with the issues i'm dealt they are our generations toby jugs after all <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> People in the future will come along into our houses and we'll be old and offering them tea and Werther's originals. And they'll be saying, Grandfather, why do you have all those silly toys up on your shelves? They're so ugly. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think
0: it pretty much is going to be this. Um, you know, like this stuff takes space, it takes time, it takes mental energy. It represents an investment of money that if I sell it, I'm probably never going to get it back, which is. Fine, but you know, the concept of selling it means that it has some some latent value, mm-hmm. and it's just sat there doing nothing. So, yeah, I, I guess that's maybe the the summation of my. Is, is this something that other people deal with? Is this how do I deal with this?
3: <laughs> you want a flippant answer? Begin, and we can go.
0: I mean, I we're a podcast, Okay, oh,
3: make a joke, oh, flippant the, the, Then we can get serious. We can real yeah. talk it after this. I mean, in part my solution to this problem is that i spend a lot of time on 30k social media and you just have people there being like "Oh, i found this 28 mil reaver titan that i bought and forgot about so
0: <laughs> just reframe the problem yeah this, this
3: 800 pounds <laughs> worth of resin that i had under my desk and i think i might just paint that this weekend and then you're just like oh, i'm not as bad as that guy <laughs> by, by a slight degree as i said yeah. i know i've got an australia somewhere unfinished don't know where it is and that's a 280 pound model so <laughs>
0: well yeah i think everyone has an element of that right um i sorted through boxes like a week ago and found something that i forgot existed um it does happen but that's kind of fine I want to just be clear that I'm not, like, judging anyone who is in an (laughs) equivalent situation, or worse, worse, inverted commas. Um, Yeah, this is... It's something that's been weighing on my mind recently, and I am curious with how to address it. I've sold lots of projects before, and most of the time I don't regret it. Like, two years ago, I sold my Advec project and really regret it, and I think that has thrown my like I mean how I deal with shame that was into a mistake turmoil.
1: clear yeah like that was a straight up mistake. That, that was a straight up one because we all know that ad mech the best so uh could be winning gts now you could be you could be number one with one of those lists
2: <laughs> so yeah I mean like Ed, I, mean, I did mention that I have a lot of models and I think that from my point of view I so both my social darkness and my piece of chaos. I genuinely like both of them. Like any one of the models in those armies I can take out and I can look at them and be like, I like this, this model. I like goats. I like, um, big warriors of chaos in spiky armor. Um, you know, doing bad time for heresy. <laughs> Hooray. Um, and so like, I just ha- like having those collections definitely doesn't sort of like weigh on me too much there are sort of like other thing, sort of games which have sort of come and gone um so for instance i played a lot of x-wing back when that was popular and they have a lot of x-wing and functionally i can't shift i won't be able to shift that the second hand market is completely flushed um so even if i wanted to sell it i couldn't um so some things i think you just have to keep unless you know um you yeah. give it to yeah. a some sort of um, charity. If You can find something that works for game systems. Um, and, and the only thing which... But even the X-Wing I do not regret having. Um, it is a game that I enjoyed playing a huge amount when it was popular. I think that little ships are still very cool. Um, little X-Wings and TIE Fighters yeah. and all sorts of things. And um...
0: x Wing's a good one. A good example of that. Yeah, I had a, a lot. It was my intro back into hobby in general Mm. and then as it died off i sold almost everything i had and then uh, my housemate and one of our other friends are quite into it so i have bought some more back but i have like quite a focused collection now and it's only Mm. for playing casual games so i have no desire to chase the meta and that's been a great solution to that because i have like two trays of stuff and it's fine nice and I knew people at the height of X-Wing who were, like, towing around flight cases full of models and cards. It's... alarming.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think that, like, if, I don't know, if, if you have a project of things that you like and things that make that you are excited for, I think, think it's bad to like keep them around if you can, if you have the storage for them, Um, maybe have some visibility on the problem, I suppose, would be the most useful thing. So if you have a big spreadsheet that you go through regularly, or I don't know, photos in a like folder on your phone or like PC that you can look at and be like, oh, I have three boxes of space marine intercessors <laughs> I don't need a fourth box of those or if Do you look at them and be like yeah if you look back at them and you're like oh goodness I have three boxes of space marines and I just read a book about space wolves or something and now I absolutely have to space paint space wolves right now it is the only thing that will give me life then you know that you have those somewhere and you can go excavate for them and start painting them yeah conversely
1: it's also a good way of thinking about things when you do want to let go of something and you say well i did have those things take a picture of it because that's pretty much what you've got in a big box behind you it's just a load of things that taking up three-dimensional space which might as well be a two-dimensional space on your phone or in your yeah. camera and you get the same amount of enjoyment from it when it's yeah. like oh i did have that i wonder what that looked like oh i did paint that oh it looked like this that having the thing, or having had the thing, is almost enough sometimes. Like, yeah, if you and let I go still of have it, the, the painting you had the experience, and like, it's it's a value of time and investment, and also, um, I was going to say, it's almost like nourishment for you. It, like, do you feel nourished by the things that you are <laughs> doing right now, and the things that you are? um yeah. creating and the things that you are painting and when you look at them do you feel that same like warmth of like yes i did do that that feels great for me and if that feel that and that feeling will go actually that's the other thing it's not that it might go it will <laughs> eventually everything Event goes. goes we are all in entropy um <laughs> but it's <laughs> like enough it, timeline it doesn't have enough <laughs> timeline we are all dust <laughs> um in the wind dude um but at the at the point of the at the point of creation at the point of building something at the point of like getting the enjoyment out of that thing you've basically spent some money to have a nice time and if you're not having a nice time if it's empty carbs if it's just like i'm doing this i don't know why i'm doing this i I just feel like i'm it, that's when i start feeling personally or like i look up at my shelves and I, i i'm i like books a lot but I don't have many books anymore because I realise what I do is just Same. buy books. And in fact, I bought one today. I'm very naughty, but that was like the first time in ages that I bought myself a book that was just like kind of for me and not for work and not for, not even a story, just like an interesting book about games. I just wanted to look at it. I wanted to look at the nice pictures and I wanted to get some enjoyment out of it.
3: Did you buy that free book Kickstarter that you made me?
1: Oh, I did do that as well. That's not going to arrive for a while. Kickstarter, actually, Kickstarter is another thing. I I have opinions on Kickstarters. I've
0: (laughs) I've pretty much sworn off them, other than for like indie projects. But yeah, Uh, also me.
1: Um, but yeah, and board games. I used to have a real thing for buying board games and then
3: never playing
1: them. I would just buy it because the most they like. Data and marketing tells us that the most exciting thing about owning a board game is buying it and unpacking it. New smell. That, getting that new smell, popping out all the little bits. And that is fun. And you rob the enjoyment of someone else if you give that away secondhand. But also, <laughs> those people who buy it secondhand know they're getting into that and got themselves a bargain and now have something which they might actually play. Yeah. Whilst, like you know, I was never going to play Netrunner. I had no one to play Netrunner with. So why did I buy Netrunner? Things like that. Yeah. So thinking about it that way like i have given away a lot of models in fact like i go through my bits box quite occasionally and i get a lot of joy from seeing people paint the models which i just gave them or left out in a big pile at an event and said go at yeah, it yeah get I've done that into that box and really find something you. yeah find something you like find something in there and give it away and then that's more enjoyable than having it in a drawer, not doing anything. Because I think that's the real crime, is just having stuff and not doing anything Mm. with it. Holding it hostage. Yeah, you're literally holding it hostage. Yeah,
0: I've done that a bit. I've done it a bit over the last year. Sort of take things out of my shame pile. Uh, Shame pile is my name for it. Like, don't mean to imply shame upon anyone else, but take things out and... I'm never gonna do anything with this for the sake of fifteen or twenty quid. It's gonna be a pain to sell. I've just sent it to someone to have fun with and yeah it's nice seeing what people do with stuff like that. You're right. it's a good way of dealing with the stuff i do I do think you've got some sensible thoughts though, though. james i I might need to marry condo it a bit and
1: I'm quite married, Kondo-y anyway with a lot of things, apart from games consoles. But um, even then, I've given away stuff before or sold it and stuff. And this is me personally speaking. I'm not saying everyone should just go and sell all of their stuff. And I think that that's like, like, it comes with hobbies. It comes with anything. Like I was really into guitar pedals for a while and synthesizers and things like that. And I still have a small collection of those, but I have the ones that were really impactful to me and the ones that I hold memories for and the ones which I understand how to use as well. That's another (laughs) one. Always useful. It's like, I can press these buttons and it just screams, why? Why do I need this Mm. under my bed in case, you know?
3: I mean, there is always that thing where I was having a conversation with my father the other day where I was saying that I'd used some bits of wood to put some shelves in an airing cupboard which I'd saved from a an Ikea bed started and then had lived in a pile in the corner of my room for probably two years. But then yeah, you know, my father was saying that that week he'd used an aluminium spar which he'd taken out of his last hand glider and he stopped flying before I was born. So 40 <laughs> years ago, wow. and he'd finally <laughs> used this thing that he'd, this will be useful one day.
1: Right. But even yeah. even then, like that's how much more stuff does he have in his garage? He's got the rest of the hang glider. I'm I think sure. I've
3: got some bits <laughs> of it the... actually. <laughs> <laughs> that... My, my yeah. thing with this is that and partially being a sort of ink 28 person, a kit basher and stuff. I have this kind of mental excuse where you could just go, Oh, it's not shame. It's just bits, but it, it <laughs> is shame. It's, it's a, it's a lot of shame. Um, it's it's just just hidden, hidden, yeah. So, my only real method to deal with this is to, to bottleneck the way in. And, uh, um, I said before, you know, I, I wrote Age of Sigma off, not you know, it wasn't a game I was particularly interested in, but it was easier for me to avoid it as a system and just have a blanket block and just say. I, I do not have any Age of Sigmar aspirations, which lasted until Vampires happened, and at which point it just crumbled. Um, but the same way, like, you know, Dominion's coming out, and I think that's where it becomes a struggle for me, is where and this is probably an entirely separate conversation about sort of the FOMO aspect of these limited releases. But I, I resisted Dominion, and, and only just, I think. But the way I think about Anything that isn't a limited release is, is I can just buy it some other time, unless I'm going to paint it straight away. Why buy it now? That's the thing. It's like there's things I want for my orcs. Um, I want some angler squigs to turn into uh, buggies, but and I've almost bought them several times, and I'm like, well, I'm still painting orcs. So you're not gonna paint these if you if you paint these things straight away then you're not painting something else. So just don't stop it. Yeah. And I think
0: Yeah, I think being strict with yourself is definitely a good way of restricting the inlet. Like you mentioned Dominion. I have pre ordered Dominion because I love big box height. But in the time since I've pre ordered it I've um I think you've got pretty concrete plans for which bits of it I want to use and which bits of it I mm. will distribute amongst friends or people who who do want this stuff, and hopefully maybe get some cash in return. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, oh, maybe it's it's not one to dwell on too much, but there's some interesting thoughts there, and maybe if listeners have their own thoughts, then feel free to. Email us to email them to us at the tinyplasticpeople at gmail.com and tell us how you deal with shame or tell me that I'm just being a baby <laughs> <laughs> and I should grow up. Um, don't email us and be mean, please. Because James
1: is going to look through that inbox and he's going to be sad. Yeah, don't make me sad in two inboxes. I already have one <laughs> at work, which makes me sad.
0: <laughs> so got some some bonus content this time uh the first things of which is a couple of shout outs so first we'd like to uh as usual shout out the Crate and crowbar miniatures podcast aka previously miniatures monthly but monthly is not a promise um that odd is probably responsible for a lot of us knowing each other and continues to be very entertaining when episodes are released um it's probably gonna be pretty rare now because tom one of the hosts has started a job with games workshop and so can't take part anymore (laughs) even if you just listen to the back catalogue it's very entertaining and you can hear some great thoughts on warhammer um And in a similar vein, we would like to shout out one of our erstwhile editors of tinyplasticpeople.com, Luke, who has also ascended the Golden Staircase and is (laughs) about to start a role with Games Workshop and Warhammer Community. So, yeah, he's going to be sat perched on the arm of the Golden (laughs) Throne. Unfortunately, it does mean that he won't be working hard behind the scenes to... Keep TPP running, but um, but that does it, mean you get his great
1: articles are probably appearing on a Warhammer community near you.
0: Exactly. What could be what could be better than his writing? His excellent writing being official.
1: Yeah, it's almost like they poached him from us because it was just we were too good. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. It was a threat neutralization <laughs> kind of situation. Exactly. That is
0: how Games Workshop roll. So yeah. Luke was has been super super critical in I think getting TPP up and running and putting together our things like our code of conduct and enforcing that and you know making sure that there's a vision for the site and it's not just a a blog that dies after a month but there's a lot of people (laughs) putting into it so uh, yeah thanks Luke good luck
1: thanks Luke yes a little round of
0: applause um, yeah uh, so two two nice shout outs
1: um, any other stuff that people want to mention or... you can pitch articles to us if you would like to write something about Warhammer send us an email basically and say I'd like to write this about it and we'll read that email and we'll probably say yeah alright go on then and yep. we'll put it on the website please That's... please what we want
0: at the at the time of recording i think we are about to release our first pitched guest article Mm -hmm. and i'm very excited to see how that goes down it's really good so we've mentioned before we are tinyplasticpeople.com collaborative website blog all is what you'd like we write about warhammer we odd about warhammer we write and pod sometimes about not Warhammer other miniature games things too there's a great article up recently about Stargrave and had all sorts of other things like Frostgrave build logs and things as well so go read enjoy hobby Um, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at tinyplasticpals so you should get updates about article releases and things, there, and it's a good opportunity to send questions and comments our way as well. And then you can also get a hold of us individually if you'd like to, if you'd like to take issue <laughs> with
1: anything any individual one of us has said. <laughs> if you'd like to or call comment. one of us out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, people can find me on Instagram at AloneMusicUK, and you can find me on Twitter at alone underscore music Alistair.
2: I'm painting armory on both Twitter and Instagram.
3: Lovely. And Drew? I'm uh Drew underscore paints on Instagram, where you might see a dragon by the time this pod's up and in
1: Looking forward to seeing that dragon. Show us your dragon.
0: And you can find me at Rich Nutter on Twitter. That is hobby account. I keep telling myself it's a hobby account. Sometimes it's not, but it mostly is. Email us at thetinyplasticpeople at gmail.com That's the best place to get hold of us in a more permanent fashion. And with that, see you next time. Keep hobbying. Keep enjoying it.
1: Don't let the shame pile (laughs) hit you on the head. Yes, that is the lesson from the week. (laughs) Yes. Thanks, everyone.
3: Cheerio. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.